0: Hi, everyone. Yes, one-day offering. It's one of those cool things that Timberline does every single year this time of the year. And basically what it is is that we ask that you set aside one day of your annual income to support efforts that stand in the gap with those folks who are facing hunger and natural disasters. We've, We've partnered with Convoy of Hope. We've told you about our partnership with them for a number of years, and uh, they are present in the most challenging circumstances, not just here in the United States, but also in many parts of the world. In fact, today, they are providing food to those folks who've been impacted by the war in the Ukraine. They're also providing food to countries where uh, refugees from the Ukraine have gone to. So so that's one day. We hope that you will uh, be a part of what God is doing in our world. Well, we are coming to the end of our God's Nature series just a couple, couple of more weeks after today. And it's been a wonderful series looking at the fingerprints of God that's displayed in nature all around us and over the past several weeks we have looked at things like fire and cosmos uh, fields birds water and this morning i'm going to share with you about wind test the fires Joe, and they call the wind, Don't you love that? Man, if that doesn't bring the masculinity out of you, I don't know what will. Oh my goodness. How many of you you remember that song? Do you remember what movie that was from? It was a Western musical. Was it right up here? We've got some multiple choice. Was it, was it Paint Your Horse? Was that the name of the movie? No? How many of you think it was Paint Your Horse? How about, how about uh, B, Watch Paint Dry? <laughs> no? How about C, Paint Your Wagon? Paint Your Wagon, that's right. For those of you who remember, uh, you remember a very young Clint Eastwood was in the movie. Uh, a guy named Lee Marvin, he headlined it. And uh, interestingly, Harve Presnell, the guy who sang the song, he is Pastor Dick's wife's cousin. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I mean, we all know Dick knows everybody in the world, right? But now Ruth uh, she can claim that she knows this big-time celebrity, uh, Harve Presnell. Yeah, uh, uh, Ruth and Harve they piled around together uh, in the farms and fields of Modesto, California. So pretty cool. Anyway, I just love the power that he gives to this song about wind. And it's perfect because when you think of wind, wind is arguably the most powerful force in nature. But... I don't know many people who actually like wind. This past Thursday, <clears throat> I was meeting with a couple of college-age kids, a guy and a gal, <clears throat> and uh, I told them that I was speaking on wind this weekend, and the gal, she chimed in and she said, I hate the wind. How many of you can relate with that? Just hate the wind. Yeah. Uh, she went on to say that it emphasizes everything. And I, I love that insight. It makes the cold colder, the rain rainier, the hot hotter, right? And the guy, he totally agreed with it. He said, yeah, you know, if it's snowing outside, at least you look forward to going snowboarding. Or if it's raining, you know that it's refreshing. But the wind just kind of blows everything out everywhere, right? And then the, guy, the gal, she chimed in again, and she had a moment of reflection. And she said, yeah, but we need the wind. We need the wind to distribute pollen. We need the wind to move the clouds in the sky. We need the wind to cool the earth. Well, anyway, it was an interesting conversation about wind. And for the heck of it, I had to research wind, getting ready for this morning, and learn all that I could about it. And what I really wanted to find out about was what are the fastest winds on earth? And what I found was in 1996, at an unmanned wind station on Barrow Island, Australia, the fastest non-tornado wind speed ever recorded had a top speed of 253 miles per hour. Crazy, isn't it? That took place during a cyclone, or in our neck of the woods, we call them hurricanes, and uh, I've had the unique experience of having lived through two or three hurricanes. And I can tell you that winds that are not even hurricane force are still very powerful. The fastest wind speed, however, at a manned station, I mean, can you be, imagine being the guy kind of going out to check that wind? <laughs> this happened in 1934 on Mount Washington, New Hampshire. And it had wind speeds of 231 miles per hour. But the fastest winds on Earth, as you might guess, are found in tornadoes. And some of you, I'm sure, you've lived through a tornado or two, and you can testify to their destructive winds with F5 tornadoes having winds that clock in at over 300 miles per hour. And wind... As we see wind in the scriptures, they also play a key role in many sort of epic scenes. You might remember uh, in the book of Genesis, after the great flood, God caused a wind to blow on the earth and the waters subsided. In the book of Exodus, Moses, he's leading a million Israelites out of Egypt on their way to the promised land. But, they quickly run into a couple of problems. With the first problem being that they ran into a dead end with the Red Sea in front of them. The second problem is Pharaoh's army are hot on their tail behind them. And Pharaoh is not a happy camper. So God told Moses, raise your staff and extend your hand over the sea. And when he did that, God caused a strong east wind to blow and turn the sea into dry land so that the Israelites to cross over to the other side. All of that said, wind has played a pivotal role in these and many other scenes found in Scripture. And yet, there is a mystery to wind as well. And Jesus, he alludes to this mystery, in a conversation he has one night with a Jewish rabbi, the conversation takes place in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, where it reads, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs. You are doing if god were not with him jesus replied very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god unless they are born again how can someone be born again when they are old nicodemus asked surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born jesus answered very truly i tell you no one So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's a popular series that you can watch on your computer or on your TV called The Chosen. Any of you watched any of that? Yeah, it's a very popular series, and the series follows the life of Jesus. And in one episode, this scene from the Gospel of John is played out on a rooftop under the cover of darkness. And with Israel of course bordering the Mediterranean Sea the two of them as they were talking with one another they would have felt the evening breeze on their faces and Jesus saying the wind blows wherever it pleases that would have taken on deeper meaning as they felt the wind on their skin and as Jesus shares what it means to be born again he is comparing wind to the working of the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. Now, some of you who might be new to Christianity, or you're just kind of checking things out, you might be hearing the, the use of the word Spirit and thinking, man, that's kind of weird. What's all that about? The Spirit Jesus is referring to is the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit is one of the three members of the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Now these are not three separate gods, but instead they are one God manifesting himself in three different ways. And I know this might be old news to some of you veterans of the faith, but I felt like this is important to share and provide a little bit of clarity to those of you who might just be checking out Christianity. And that brings me to the first point for you to jot down on the app on your uh, phone, which is that wind is invisible. Wind is invisible. Now, with a genius like myself standing before you this morning, I know that you're probably wowed by this first and in my intricate knowledge of wind. <laughs> I understand that this is not breaking news to anybody, right? It's pretty obvious, I get it. We know that wind is simply moving air. And this movement is caused by differences that happen in the atmosphere. But just as the wind is invisible, so is the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus that night. And even though we can't see the wind, here's a second point for you to jot down. You can see the effects of the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. With wind, we can feel it on our faces, right? We can see the effects it has on a kite that we're flying in the sky. We see the leaves of an aspen tree quake and shimmer because of the wind, and in the same way, You can also see the effects of God's Spirit working in the lives of people. As we saw in that baptism video, right? Two weekends ago, we baptized over 50 people. How does that happen? How does that happen? People from all different backgrounds and life circumstances, different levels of financial security and standing in our community, how do they all come to a point in their lives where they acknowledge their sinfulness before a holy God and they choose to publicly declare how God is working in their lives by getting baptized? That is an example of of the movement of the Spirit of God. Billy Graham, he once asked during a sermon, can you see God? You haven't seen him. I've never seen the wind, but I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. And as it pertains to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, I think in many ways he represents the beautiful, mysterious side of God. And this is wonderfully captured in the lyrics to the song, So Will I, by Hillsong United. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. And if the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made, every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. This song beautifully captures the essence of the mystery of the Holy Spirit, who acts almost as the artist behind the painting, the melody to a song, the voice that whispers to our hearts. Now, one thing for all of us to keep in mind, whenever we uh, read the Bible, Whenever we interact with Scripture, it's important to remember that that's always a cross-cultural experience. Meaning that when you read the Scriptures, you're immediately transported to a different time, location, culture, and language. And it helps to understand even a little bit about the language used. And as it relates to wind, I think you're going to like this, in the Hebrew language there's an interesting word for it called ruach but this word ruach is also used to describe not just wind but also breath and spirit and that's the third point for you to jot down ruach is used to describe wind and breath and spirit the wind or ruach is that animates the trees is the same thing that animates you and me. The next point for you to write down is wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. As I mentioned in the very beginning, we've all seen the power of wind as represented in hurricanes and tornadoes. We know it can rip buildings off of their foundations and just create unimaginable Destruction. The Spirit of God is powerful as well. But we notice not so much His destructive power as much as we see His creative power. We see this creative power in the very first sentence of Scripture where we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Did you catch that? The spirit or ruach of God was hovering over the waters. And we read again about this life-giving ruach of God in the creation of the very first man. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, God molded, shaped, and formed Adam, but Adam, he wasn't doing anything until God gave his ruach, his breath, which animated him and brought him to life. For those of you who are parents, and you've had the pleasure of watching your child come into the world, there's excitement and elation over this gift of life. But something that everybody does in those very first moments is collectively hold their own breath until this new life takes their first ruach, their first breath of life. Breath is life. And God breathed Ruach into Adam, the essential mystical force of life. And as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus that evening, he's reaching back to the creation account when he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. As a Jewish leader, Nicodemus would have been all too familiar with the creation account. Nicodemus knew that Adam would have simply remained a lump of clay until God breathed his ruach into him and brought him to life. And as Adam comes to life, he begins moving. And something that wind and breath and spirit have in common is that they are always moving also. In fact, that's the next point for you to write in your outline. The spirit of God is always moving moving whenever we read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture he's always in motion when the things are happening when the Spirit is involved in fact Billy Graham again he noted this by stating when God works in the world he does so by his spirit in other words the Holy Spirit is God in action now over the course of history man has attributed miracles to god and we read about those miracles and we think well that's the only time that god moves and that's simply not the case it's not true god is always moving in fact he's moving in your life right now even though you may not perceive it and you might be sitting here this morning or watching us online and you're kind of thinking, yeah, I don't sense God moving in my life, right? <laughs> and I, I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes, from our perspective, the movement of God can be painfully slow, can't it? If you're feeling that way this morning, I would say you're in good company. Because my guess is that many of our favorite characters in Scripture probably did not recognize the mysterious ways that God was working in their lives. I mean, can you imagine Joseph? He's a 17-year-old teenage sheepherder betrayed and buried in a hole, not by his enemies, but by his very own brothers. Do you think in that moment, when he's sitting in the bottom of a hole, do you think that he thought he was right in the middle of God's will? No, I don't think so. Or when he was then sold into slavery and then imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit, spent a couple of years in jail as an innocent man, do you think that he thought, you know, this is all pretty good, feeling pretty good right now, I'm right in the center, Of God's will I don't think so what about a young teenage girl named Esther taken from her home to live in the king's harem I mean how confused and scared must she have been and how can the spirit let me ask you this how can the Spirit of God be moving in a book where the name of God is not even mentioned as is in the book of Esther. I think the author of Esther intentionally kept God's name out of the book as a way of offering a clue. A clue that illustrates the beauty and mystery of God that although he's not mentioned in the book when you read it you can clearly see how god was moving and working and unbeknownst to esther god was going to use this teenage girl to save her people from slaughter and so did god use joseph to save his people from a famine so from these two stories and many others in scripture we see how God was sort of orchestrating events kind of behind the scenes. And he's doing the same in your life and in mine. Even if your life is chaotic and crazy and things are not making much sense right now. I mentioned earlier how God used wind in some epic scenes in Scripture with the great flood and Noah's Ark and Moses and Pharaoh and all that. But there's another scene that I want to share with you where wind plays a central role. But it's also a scene that illustrates how Jesus controls even the wind. And that's the final point for you to write in your outline. Jesus controls the wind. What you'll see on the screen here is a painting by the Dutch artist Rembrandt. And the painting's titled Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Rembrandt, he was a prolific artist, having painted over 300 works of art in his career. But this particular painting was his only known seascape. And I wrote a book. About this painting last year and what I found uh, in my research is that this work of art and 12 others were stolen in the largest unsolved art heist in history in fact this painting and the others are still missing to this day but Rembrandt he was inspired to paint this picture after reading the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and it's a classic story where Jesus and his buddies, the disciples, they're caught in the storm out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And as you can see in this painting, there's a lot going on, isn't there? We know that towering, life-threatening waves are churned up by fast-moving wind. And any of the elements that we've taught on in this series, uh, like fire and water and wind, when those are uncontrolled... Destruction happens and people die. And in this story, the problem isn't so much the uncontrolled wind and waves as much as the fact that Jesus is sleeping. Our lives can feel like this chaotic scene, can't they? At times it can feel as if our lives are caught in a storm, And all we can do is battle everything around us, kind of like the guys that are on the top left half of the scene. They're doing all that they can to stay afloat. They're holding on for dear life. They're batting down the hatches. And we can do the same, can't we? Fighting the storms of life. And as we fight the storms of life, it can appear that God is sleeping. And he doesn't see what's happening. When they were most vulnerable out on the open water, a storm left these sailors fighting for their very lives. There's some other interesting characters in this painting I want to point out. The guy who's holding his hat and hanging on to the rope, that's actually Rembrandt himself. <laughs> He is a a bit of a character in that he would oftentimes like to paint himself into his paintings. There are also two men whose backs are to us. There's the gray-haired man in the beige tunic to the left of Rimrat, and also the man with the brown cloak who is kneeling and facing Jesus. And despite all of the commotion going on in this scene, both of them appear to be doing... What is most important in a time of wind and storm, which is simply to come to Jesus in prayer. When the winds of life are blowing beyond our control, we can always reach out to God by praying. And then, of course, the story goes on, and Jesus does what only Jesus can do, He he rebuked the wind and the waves and he said, peace, be still. It was a command that resonated beyond the clouds and raindrops of that time and speaks to the storms and the winds that you and I face today. The clouds parted, the rain stopped, the thunder and lightning ceased and the water returned to a gentle calmness. And of course, as you can imagine, the disciples, they were amazed at what they had just witnessed. And with water still dripping from their faces, they asked the question, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. A question they asked, even though they had witnessed Jesus heal the sick, relieve the possessed of their demons, and renew the leper's skin. But it wasn't until they witnessed Jesus' command over the very forces of nature and saving their own lives that they came to the realization that Jesus was God. The winds the disciples faced on the sea proved to be a turning point in how they viewed Jesus. And perhaps you're at a point this morning where you need to view Jesus in a different way. You might be at a place this morning where you're feeling alone because of struggle, hardship, or pain. But what if you really believed that in spite of your circumstances that God was working in invisible ways in your life right now? And he wants to use your struggle and turn it into something good. And just as God breathed Ruach into Adam, he wants to breathe Ruach into you. When the breath, wind, and spirit of God touches someone, how it all works is where the mystery is at. And I don't pretend to understand it at all, but I know for a fact that it happened in my life When I was 14 years old, I came to a point where I recognized my own need for Jesus. I needed him to breathe his life-giving Ruah into my life. I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And one night alone in my bedroom, I prayed to receive Christ into my life. Maybe that's you this morning. You've been sensing the wind, the breath, the spirit of God pursuing you. And you've come to a point where you just don't want to fight it anymore. (laughs) Let him breathe his life-giving Ruach into you. Let's go ahead and pray together. God Almighty, we thank you so much for our gathering together this morning. We thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for the gift of our church. We thank you for the gift of where we live in the United States. We pray now, God, for those folks who you've been nudging them, pursuing them, They've been feeling it for a while now. And they want to receive your life-giving ruach into their lives. If that's you this morning, you can simply repeat, repeat a prayer with me, right where you are. Just simply say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. In need of you, my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins. Will you breathe your life-giving ruach into me and forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong? Come and live in my heart so that I can live with you forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Well, we also want to take a moment to worship God through our offering. And I know that, uh, that many of us, myself included, our, our monthly tithe is automatically taken out of our bank accounts. But some of you uh, like the old school way of doing things and you like to hand in a check and you can do that in the offering box in the back of the room. But we wanna take a moment to thank God for the finances that each and every one of us have. And we wanna give a portion of that back to him. That's our tithe, that's our offering. Offering out of gratitude of our hearts. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much again for today. We thank you for the financial resources that you've blessed us with as we give back to you a small portion of what you've blessed us with. We pray God that you would use this money, multiply it to do great things, not just here in Fort Collins or the United States, but around the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.